Happy Friday, Art Curious listeners. Jennifer here with your short-form news roundup meant to bring you up to date on some of the latest goings-on in the realm of art history. This is Art Curious News This Week, and today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. All right, let's go. For today's first story, we are going to merge fine art with technology. Late last week, researchers from a joint project with the University of Nottingham and the University of Bradford, both in the UK, reported using facial recognition technology to determine the authorship of a painting long known as the De Bresci Tondo. The work is strikingly similar to a famed altarpiece by the Renaissance painter Raphael, a work called his Sistine Madonna, now in Dresden, that portrays the Virgin Mary cradling a cherubic blonde baby Jesus in her arms. It's also probably most famous for the two little angels painted at the very bottom of the scene, the ones you have probably seen reproduced a million times over, who are resting their little chubby chins on their hands and their arms as they look skyward. The facial recognition software has determined a 97% similarity rate in the Madonna of de Bresci to the Sistine Madonna, and an 86% similarity rate in the case of the Christ Child. To which I kinda wanna say, duh? And that we didn't need tech to tell us that the pieces are similar because they look like they are at least using the same source material. But I think that's not actually the point here. The point is that the software, the researchers say, actually narrows down the understanding of the painting structure here that they think it's then close enough to state that it was indeed Raphael who painted it and not a copyist following in Raphael's footsteps. The painting was first identified as a, quote, possible Raphael in about 2000. And in the past 30 years, a lot of research has been done on this painting, including pigment analysis, that does point to a Renaissance creation period. So moving a little bit closer to being able to confirm that it is a Raphael is kind of exciting, to say the least. Although I have to say I'm not 100% certain, because it looks like a Raphael in that it looks a lot like the Sistine Madonna, but to me it seems a little off, you know, slightly less finessed in comparison. But that, of course, could be explained away by a bunch of stuff. Like the artist not having a good day, feeling ill, making a copy in a rush for another commission, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, it's cool to see how tech can be harnessed to help us with a different understanding of art and art history. So keep your eyes out for this one. Next up, it's Mummy Madness. We have two stories from the mummy world for you today. The first is that a report in the Guardian newspaper was released from Egyptologists working near Cairo announcing the finding of what just may be the very oldest and most complete mummy ever discovered in that country. The mummy was discovered at the bottom of a 15-meter shaft at Saqqara, near the famed Steppe Pyramid of Zosher. And the mummy, based on the hieroglyphics found therein, note that it is the body of a man named Hekashepis. Other than that, no further details about Hekashepis and the tomb have been released, but officials did say that this was not the only tomb found nearby, that others were nearby, belonging to priests, an inspector of officials, and more. What is cool is that this mummy is thought to be 4,300 years old. Speaking of mummies, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle in the news over the past week because it has been said that the British Museum has announced that they will no longer be using the term mummy, which was first reported by the UK's Daily Mail. Instead of using mummy, 
Descriptions, wall labels, and documents made to the public will now use phrases like mummified person or mummified remains, a shift that I think is noted particularly in reference to Egyptian artifacts as part of a larger re-examination of colonial-era practices and histories, especially regarding how mummies have historically been treated over time, i.e. not well. This is not a change limited to the British Museum, because other outlets in Britain have done the same, including the Great North Museum Hancock and the National Museums of Scotland. According to a spokeswoman for the National Museum of Scotland, quote, The word mummy is not incorrect, but it is dehumanizing, whereas the term mummified person encourages our visitors to think of the individual. Given that we sometimes do, at least in Egyptian culture, know the names of the <clears throat> mummified person, like Hegeshepes, this does make total sense to me. But in a strangely dissonant response statement, a rep from the British Museum then noted, quote, The museum has not banned the word mummy, and there are no plans for it to be phased out, unquote. Which is weird, because that was literally the news headline, that the word had been banned. So perhaps we should be blaming the Daily Mail's inaccuracy here. So I am really curious to see how much this new turn of phrase is adopted throughout the museum world and throughout archaeological and art historical communities. I personally think we will see a lot more locations following in step very quickly, but getting visitors to stop referring to them as mummies will be the much harder road. Just like how we're so used to the idea of ancient sculpture and architecture being pristine white when they were actually in many cases super brightly painted, we are just so used to calling things mummies, especially because of pop culture exposure. I think it's just going to take a little time and some cultural reprogramming, and that is okay. Either way, remembering that mummified remains are indeed the remains of a real person who lived, who deserves to be treated with respect, that is a great step forward. Okie dokie. I can't believe I just said okie dokie. Anyway, this is a good moment for a little break before we get back to more Art Curious news this week. If you like this show, would you please consider buying me a cup of coffee as a way to say thanks? For the price of a latte, just $4 a month, you get to listen to Art Curious from here on out ad-free. Learn more and join now at patreon.com slash artcurious. A big thank you and welcome aboard to my latest patron, Holly T. Thank you so much for that cup of coffee, Holly. And big ongoing thanks as always to my VIP patrons, Flamestress, Gaston, Stephanie, John, JL, Rhonda, Lance, and Robin. You guys absolutely rock. Do you want your name read here every week? Become a VIP, our most helpful level of support. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Art Curious and our news this week. For our last round of stories today, we've got one restitution order and one major acquisition announcement. First, a French court has ordered the return of an 18th century Dutch painting held by the Parisian branch of the auction house Christie's. The work, a painting of Mary Magdalene completed by the artist Adrian van der Werf, resurfaced, and I say that in quotes, in 2018 when it was sold as part of a sale from an anonymous consigner. At that point, Christie's reached out to the potential descendants of the original owner, who just happened to be a distant relative of the writer Marcel Proust, to tell them about the painting. But at that point, they hadn't been able to reach an amicable agreement about potentially returning the work. So the work has been in private hands since that 2018 sale. 
And now the courts are getting involved. To me, this feels right in line with the story that I mentioned last week about the Guggenheim being sued over the ownership of an outstanding blue period Picasso. But according to the articles I've read about this, Christie's might fight back and they might even attempt to block the potential return. So I'm guessing that this will be one of those ongoing stories that we will be hearing about for at least a little while longer. So touchy. Now on to some happier news. In brief, the Musée d'Orsay announced this week that they have acquired a fantastic Impressionist painting by the artist Gustave Caillebotte thanks to the purchasing powers of LVMH, the luxury brand conglomerate. LVMH, by the way, as in Louis Vuitton, Moet, and Hennessy. The Washington Post reported that this was one of the few Caillebotte masterpieces still in private hands, so now that it is moving into a public institution, it is a win, because now more people than ever can experience Caillebotte's unique take on the Impressionist mode and subject matter. This work, titled The Boating Party from around 1877 through 78, went on view at the Orsay just a couple of days ago, but it will travel to around 20 separate museums next year in honor of the 150th anniversary of the birth of Impressionism, which first made a splash in 1874. The timing is also further perfect for the Orsay, who is planning on holding a major Caillebotte retrospective late next year. So clear your calendars now if you are an Impressionism or Caillebotte fan, because you will want to be in Paris in fall 24. One final story before I sign off today, and it's of the eye-roll variety. At the end of January, the much-delayed and very expensive terminal of the Long Island Railroad opened at Grand Central Station in New York City. As part of its design, quotes from various New York luminaries were etched into the stone walls of the concourse. Quotes from people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Toni Morrison, and so forth. One massive stone plaque read, quote, One can't paint New York as it is, but rather as it is felt. It is a beautiful statement from none other than Georgia O'Keeffe. But it's attributed to Georgia O'Keeffe, O'Keeffe, one F, instead of two. And look, I get it. It is an interestingly spelled surname, and it's just one of those things that you have to remember as an art person. It's spelled O-K-E-E-F-F-E. The good news, though, is that we don't have to live with the mistake in perpetuity. As the spokesperson for the MTA, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, noted, quote, We clearly effed this one up, and it is being fixed. In the meantime, though, the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum completely won my heart when they posted an image of the misspelling on Instagram with the caption, Don't take spell check for granite. Get it? Granite? I know. I still love it, though. You can read more about this snafu and more about every story mentioned today over on my website, artcuriouspodcast.com. All right, folks, I hope that this provided you perhaps with a little chuckle today and that you're feeling more informed about the art world. This is all that I got for you right now. Thank you so much for listening to Art Curious News this week. We are all done with our season about women artists of Renaissance Europe, but I am already hard at work on writing and recording the next season, coming at you this spring. I will be back next week, though, for another installment of this new series, and bonus content is coming to you ASAP as well. So thank you all for your support and for listening. Until next week, stay curious. <laughs>